Hello everybody, welcome to this episode of the Stag Raw. We're catching back up with Luke Taylor. I promised you I'd get him on board and um, it was awesome to head down to Hamilton, check out his facility, my first time being there, and hear from Luke what he does in such an awesome place. Currently I am about 22 hours deep into the Keto Reboot with Pruitt, just uh, downed a beautiful thyme bed of broth, has a bit of uh, beta hydroxybutyrate in there as well. We've gone pretty well so far today. Um, it was a little bit hard watching everybody eat a nice fish salad for dinner, but hey, it's part of the fast. It's part of getting in touch with your association with food, with your relationship with food, and also doing those great things like boosting ketones and brain-derived neurotrophic factor. If you'd like to get in on the next one, be sure to hit us up uh, either on Waikito, the Facebook page, at Stag Vision on Instagram, and you can follow my journey um, with the Keto Reboot on Stag Vision on Instagram. Also, I've been putting it up on Snapchat. I've been, yeah, delving back into that. That's at Stag Ryan on Snapchat, and of course, I've got another Instagram handle that's Stag Ryan also, along with Twitter. And yeah, if you'd like to get involved in New Zealand, hit us up. Otherwise, if you're in places like Canada, USA, Australia, or Asia, along to waiket0.proveitnow.com and order your own pack of the reboot when it comes out at the start of next month. But until then, let's get into the podcast with Luke Taylor. It's another good one, absolute legend. We go real deep into the tailored method and then just generally about health, fitness, well-being and life in general. Hope you enjoy. Good everyone, we've done it. I told you on that last podcast, we got to get him back on, and he's here. We're in his beautiful facility. Let's uh, have a look around. Magnificent. Um, Luke, what did you do on the weekend, man? <laughs> uh, what did I do on the weekend? Uh, so I was up in Auckland. Um, so I went up to Auckland for um, some testing. So I was up in AUT um, oh, yes. as a <laughs> um, fat-adapted athlete. They um, wouldn't. They're looking for participants for their study, which is to identify um, how heat affects um, fat-adapted athletes at different training intensities. So, yeah, um, yeah so I was up there, um, hooked up to a whole heap of uh, gadgets, um, so sensors everywhere, and, um, yeah. Thing in, your, thing in your mouth? Yeah, thing in the mouth. <laughs> Things everywhere. <laughs> no, no thermometers at the button? Or? Well, the, well, it is a heat-based heat, heat one, so the only way to get internal temperature is that way. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Things you need for science. Who, who is doing that study? Uh, so that's Ed. Um, so he's up at AT doing his PhD um, currently. Um, so, yeah, he's under Dan Plews for his PhD. Um, so, yeah, really interesting because Dan Plews being a, um, a high-fat athlete himself. Right, so that's um, School Exercise Science, is that right? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, so it's been mm, six months, I think. Were you in the World Champs yeah. October? Uh, World Champs was September. September. So. She's been nearly back around there. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's Luke now today? Who's Luke now? Um, I suppose the best way... To describe me as a, um, I'm a dreamer that um, takes action to empower change. Um, yeah, I'm looking to empower as many people as possible, um, trying to bridge the gap between uh, science to practical application mm. um, through learning firsthand and then empowering others to make that change. Nice, and that takes us on to 
first-hand experience, um, we'll, we'll leave the great success, which was the Ironman for, <laughs> for a later tale, but um, successful in that you made it to the world champs, but yep. then not such a successful time. <laughs> yeah, you could yeah. say that, definitely. Um, what's, what's the challenges of being overseas, man? <laughs> yeah, so challenges being... Uh, getting sick <laughs> so everything was going well I had three races pre um, world champs um, so my key race um, and they were, they were going well they weren't key races for me they were just races to kind of test out a bit of race nutrition and kind of get back into the racing game after a long winter um, and yeah it was uh, I think 12 hours out and I couldn't walk pre-worlds um, because I just had so much um, I just got a a GI bug. I just yeah. literally could not move. Um, I could not get from my couch to my room without having to sit down halfway through um, being lightheaded. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great. Things were coming out both ends and um, I was losing weight. But hey, mm-hmm. on a positive note, I made race weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, what is it? Um, power to weight ratio improved uh, overnight. <laughs> yeah, I may have been a bit weaker, but I did a power to weight ratio. <laughs> No, so it just just gastro. Did you do do anything for it, or it cleared out? Your body got rid of it. I just did everything I could do, which was you know rehydrate as much as possible, get my electrolytes in there, um, and get as much nutrition in as I could stomach. Um, mm-hmm. Which wasn't until that evening where I had to really get outside and get some fresh air and try and force some food in. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to the guy that I travelled Europe with, the Max, um, he really forced me out of the house, which is just what I needed. Yeah, um, maybe tough, but yeah, it was good. So. Being fat adapted leading into a quite sort of, a, know, still still long distance, but more aerobic version of triathlon, what are your nutritional goals had you not been sick? So are you talking Ironman? Uh, no, the, the World Champs. Oh, so World Champs is a yeah. sprint distance, so yeah. it's quite, it's a lot more glycolytic. Yeah. Um, so I actually, for that reason, at that point in time, I didn't actually go to fat adapted. Yeah. So I was still kind of carbohydrate based at that point because I was worried about the lack of performance. Yeah. There's literature coming out now saying that it doesn't actually affect your performance, um, but at that point in time, literature was stating that you know you're going to lose performance by um, not utilizing carbohydrate mm-hmm. to its stores. So um, yeah, at that point in time, I was yes, still having carbohydrate. Yeah. So what was what was your goal? How how far out were you before you got sick? Uh, so I couldn't walk 12 hours out before my race. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it came to that morning, um, I think. So everyone else was racing in the morning at 8, 8 a.m., so yeah. all the standard distance races. Um, so I wanted to get out and watch them. But after about eight trips to the toilet, um, I finally managed to make it out a little bit at like an hour later than I was supposed to. I um, got to see the finish of their race, luckily. Um, and then just throughout that day, it was just about just trying to get some energy up to race. And I slowly did feel better throughout that day after that morning. Um yeah, and got to race time, and I kind of forgot about it at the start line and kind of did my standard thing, got ready, and then um, the game went off, and everything was feeling all right, but when I went to give it that extra oomph, like because the swim is one of my strong points, yeah. it's a point where I, I feel I can actually pull away from the group, mm-hmm. which I normally would, um, but I just couldn't. Um, there was just nothing left in the tank, so at that point I realized I'm just here to embrace it and enjoy it, you know, just be present in the moment and... Um, soak it up because how often you get to represent New Zealand on a big world stage like that so run down the blue carpet so that's cool yeah that's cool um it would have been really interesting to see um in the name of science what your muscle glycogen was at <laughs> oh would have loved to seen it yeah <laughs> um yeah I really wish I had some measures of like how much weight I lost across that 
uh, what, 24, 48 hours, however long it was. Um, what do we call it? Did you check your heart rate or do you? No, you, no. My no. heart rate one has been broken for quite a while. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a pain. I really want, to, I would be good to see heart rate variability and all those kind of, you know, baseline measures, but um, yeah, sadly I didn't get them. <laughs> no, cool. So um, you got 12 hours to try and at that stage load your muscles and your liver with as much glucose and glycogen as you can. Yeah. What did, what did you do? Uh, just sipping on electrolytes pretty much all day, get as much as I could. Um, but again, try not to have too much food that I started to feel ill um, mm. because you don't want to be running with um, a whole heap in, in your gut. So it was about thinking about those foods that my body would um, digest quite easily um, and, body, and foods that I would like that would actually eat as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so just listening to the body was the big thing. Cool. Yeah. yeah. What would be also really interesting, not that you want to get a gastro bug 12 hours out from a race, is <laughs> now you're fat adapted and, and used to running on your own energy stores. It'd be amazing to look at what sort of performance you could put in and, and what, how you'd feel, you know, if, yeah. if, if that was to come up. It would be fascinating, yeah. but not something you want to do in the name no, of science. No, not particularly. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do plenty of stuff with science, but I don't want to go through that again. That was a fun. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, um, Beforehand, again, the challenges of being overseas, there's was some fantastic photos on, on, on your Instagram of biking along with a wine bottle in, <laughs> in the back of a, of a um, drinks holder and, and being on a train with two packs and a, and a bike. What was the story there, man? <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of our races. We didn't realize when we booked this race um, in Pottersdorf how hard it was to actually get to it. So we, were, we based ourselves in Vienna for about two to three weeks. Um, to do all our training and racing and with Pottersdorf you had to kind of catch a train um, and then a bus but not to our knowledge we couldn't get on that bus um, without 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 bikes so we pretty much I kind of forget how far out we were I think we were about um, 20 30 k's away so we had to bike 20 30 k's to the end of the trip mm -hmm. um, and yeah it was um, Bit of a mission. Uh, we ended up taking our road bikes pretty much off-road onto a gravel um, dirt road. Um, Max was on his TT bike because um, he had it for uh, standard distance and on really nice race wheels. Well, and we just got along this gravel like, please don't get a puncher <laughs> with all our bag, all our life in our back. Um, yeah. The true traveller. Um, yeah, and then on the way back, the reason for the wine was uh, Max actually won that race. Yeah. Um, so he took out the whole overall race. So. He got oh, a big bottle, a big glass like this, um, and I think about three bottles of wine um, because this place was a big winery pretty much. Yeah. And, yeah, so we had to get that back, you know, memorabilia. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're just putting it everywhere we could in bottle holders. and. <laughs> no, it, was, it, was, it was very classic. And, um, <laughs> at the end, we'll, of course, we'll have Luke's handles, so scroll down and check, check out those photos because <laughs> they're pretty good. So, And then... Afterwards, you got to enjoy the, the fruits of, of what was a good trip and head to Oktoberfest. Um, yeah. not, not your first rodeo, but how, how did you go on this time? So you up on the table. Oh, that was my first time on Oktoberfest. Oh, Oktoberfest um, was your first time. Yeah, right? my first time to Europe, first time to Oktoberfest. Um, it was unreal. Um, Oktoberfest is just one of the happiest places <laughs> and a great place to let your hair down. Um, yeah, and it's just it's heaps of fun. Yeah. yeah, We had a really cool crew there and yeah, it, was, it was just such a good time. Nice. And so did you get the whole stein down or? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're talking about my video, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, so 
the rule is if you stand on the table, you have to um, scale your whole stein. So um, I stood up on the table and the whole stein. Uh, the reason that kind of came about was Max, he challenged me. Um, I'm not one to turn down a challenge. Yeah. Um, I like a good challenge. And he said, I at that point in time, I owed him for the previous day because I hadn't had cash out. Yeah. Um, so he's like, I'll wipe off yesterday's bill. If you stand up on the table and scale a vessel, <laughs> and it, it's not as easy as it sounds. First of all, it's a stein, and then yeah. second of all, if you don't do it well, there's people that throw bread sticks at you and they boo you. This in front of thousands of people, yeah. so the pressure was on. And I, I just, I sat, I remember sitting there for about an hour, just like letting the beer kind of warm up a little bit. I was like, I'm just gonna let that sit, um, and then just prove myself <laughs> before I did it. Took a lot of news. It's a bit like, bit like doing a yard glass. You want to pretty much. Yeah. You want to pour it in the morning and, and see how you go later on that night. Um, how many times did Waisaki Nahalo get chanted in your tent? Or oh, it was there's no number. Like, it was just un, on, on repeat, on repeat. Like, it was ingrained in my mind post um, Octoberfest. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, so, you, so you came back. How long did it take you to go? Hey, I'm going to do an Ironman now. Yeah, um, I suppose it was yeah about when I came back, I was like I started to revisit my goals, and that was kind of always in the pipeline was Ironman, um, and a lot of people were telling me at that point, you know, that's not possible, you know, you've just done sprint distance, you could even because I was struggling to run at that point because mm. I was dealing with my broken toe, and I'm like it's just not viable, um, but that just drives me. Yeah. Um, so like I said, challenge, um, and took that challenge on, and I was like, okay, um, let's prove these people wrong, and I really wanted at that point in time to prove my tailored method that I had, I had developed. Um, so, yeah, I so it was a great opportunity to really prove people wrong mm -hmm. um, and show them that there is a easier ways to doing things. Yeah, and so, so let's go into the tailored method. Um, I read an article that got published in the local rag and it was about efficiency. So yeah. what was what was the deal, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, with the, like the reason I selected Ironman is because to me it epitomizes human potential, yeah. um, like especially athletic potential, um, because it really pushes your body to the limits because of the training load that is required um, is so intense. Um, but then also coupled with that is the time management strategies mm -hmm. needed. Um, so what I see traditionally, I deal with a lot of Ironman clients prior to this, and I, what I traditionally saw was they were burning out in that kind of last couple of months in their lead up to Ironman. So I wanted to... Um, look at it from a different lens and see if I could approach it, how I approach the rest of my business um, with an efficiency standpoint. Um, so most people that do Ironman, they train on a weekly basis 20, 25 plus hours a week. Um, but I wanted to prove that it could be done under 15 hours. So I never exceeded 15 hours um, with the intention of proving an efficiency of point of training. So. If you have your foundation strong, so you've got your nutrition on point, you've got your recovery on point, um, you just have to make sure you're doing the training effectively, so a really efficient training. Um, so and, well, probably the better word is intentional training. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, so I managed to prove that. Um, so I, that was my goal, and um, that was kind of how I kind of proved the model, um, just making sure that my I focused on the recovery just as much as I did as the performance itself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it really paid dividends. Nice. So how did you manage the toe? <laughs> how did I manage the toe? Uh, yeah, so the toe, um, that has been the bane of my existence uh, recently. Because um, it, it has, is not healing, um, came back from Rotterdam and was feeling all right. So I thought, yeah, okay, we're good. 
um, and then got back into it. And I was just like, nah, it's, there's something still not quite right. Um, and I let me get an x-ray, I think it was November, my last x-ray, mm-hmm. uh, to tell me it was still broken uh, about nine months later. Um, but due to all my previous injury history, I've just got such a high pain threshold, mm-hmm. so I never identify those things. Um, so that's why I have to be very careful and be really in tune with my body. Um, but at that point in time, I had the, the internal debate, I guess. Uh, do I continue going um, and push through it? Now, it's already been eight, nine months, or do I just completely stop and try and heal it? Um, by that point, I'd kind of already committed uh, to yeah. my training. I'd already done a half um, for that season, and I was just like, I was enjoying it, feeling good. I was just, I started to push through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, just, I took a very minimalistic approach to running a result, as a result. Um, so, I didn't really increase my running load until. Um, end of January to be honest um, so very minimal running um, and my longest runs were generally in my races yeah. um, and I saw that was the first time you did a marathon yeah yeah I mean it was the first time I did a marathon <laughs> and my first half marathon was in the half line man nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah I quite often will pull out of the bag uh, longer distances mm-hmm. on the race day yeah yeah. so why do they think it wouldn't heal was it because of the your support tissue or I've just abused it for too long. Yeah. Like I when it originally happened, I took three months off um, running, um, but I still surfed, um, mm. which <laughs> in hindsight was not the best. And I, I shouldn't have, um, but at that time I needed it for my mental, because I was still studying full-time at that point as well. Mm. And surfing for me is that kind of mental break. It's mm-hmm. that um, if I don't surf, I kind of get this kind of clouded mind. Um, it's an addiction. Yeah. Um, so I needed to get my release. Um, so at that point in time, that outweighed it. Um, so yeah. Just a thought, possibly that stability in your feet could be supporting your toe. Do you, do you think, or so have, having strong, oh, strong feet? Probably yeah, no, balancing. I do. Yeah, of course I've addressed that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that on the app um, to kind of help it on its men. So a lot of intrinsic footwork. Um, so again, those intrinsic muscles working. Yeah. Picking stuff um, up, sand, yeah, newspaper. Nice, yeah. Um, you know, Play-Doh's also really good. Um, moving away from shoes um, and getting into the kind of bare feet. Nice. big thing that I used to always do was wear jandals through the summer. Uh-huh. Uh, but what that does is it creates a claw. Um, right. yep. So you're continually clawing that big toe, and that's my broken toe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's continually putting that under tension. So the first thing I kicked away was the jandals. Um, Try to wear those minimalistically as possible. Like yeah. Only like I'm going to a place and then kick them straight off. Um, so, true surfer walked around bare feet um, because it's a lot more natural and doesn't cause that extra yeah. tension and gets those intrinsic muscles working. Um, a few people look at you a bit weird or rock around in bare feet, but yeah, I just made sure I was either had a supported footwear for when I was doing more um, uh, technical running, yeah. um, and when I wasn't, I was trying to train those muscles to get them firing. Yeah, so I um, at the same time this summer consciously decided to go as barefoot as much as I could. Oh, yeah. Didn't know that. Whenever I, whenever I got home, at home I never wore shoes. I didn't train with shoes on, and yeah, yeah. I noticed a massive difference. And like usually that first time when you get to the beach, walking around is just so uncomfortable. But yeah. this year it was it was amazing. And like walking over stones, you're just so ready for it. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And so. Um, I've tried to keep that up, you know, around home, not wearing shoes, yeah. and if I can train without shoes, it's, it's yeah. really, really good. Um, having a, a sore toe, how hard is it then to run on, on the forefoot? 
Yeah, so... As and what, what does that mean for your, your other joints as well? Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Being very much a science geek, I like to quantify things. Yeah. Um, so I have this software which allows me to analyze my running uh, gait. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's essentially a foot pod that I put on either foot. Uh-huh. And I've, through that, I've identified that um, I run more uh, heel on my yeah. um, left foot, which is because I'm offloading that toe. Yeah. Or more, mid, mid, uh, sorry, more mid foot on my right foot. Uh-huh. So more mid to front foot. Um, so it's it's quite interesting. So my body's literally trying to offload it as much as possible. And it's also creating a lot more um, force production as well. So there's a lot more force coming through my left side in comparison to my right. Yeah. Uh, that can be a, re- a result of landing on my heel because naturally when you land on your heel, you're going to be putting your body weight and uh, you're creating a braking force essentially. Mm-hmm. So the, it's landing in front of your body instead of underneath your body, um, which is going to slow you down mm-hmm. um, and create a lot more force up through the joints which therefore leads into a whole host of injuries, mm. if not kind of managed. Um, hence why recovery is such a key point of my um, training. Mm. So um, something that I've sort of identified after being a year and a half post-surgery is that I've got a massive twist now. Yeah. And before I get into some heavy training, when I get over to Australia, I want to do a rebuild. And so that's why I've tried to, while I don't have any weights or I don't have any gym membership, just do... Um, crossover stuff and, and try cool. and even up the body doing more lunges and actually feeling how weak that is and yeah. like I said on the podcast last night after seeing you guys talk about the mountain climbers and how it strengthens up yeah. in the air, been implementing that and cool. noticed a massive difference when I first started I was getting this huge clip through the hip and yeah. now that's, that's pretty much gone and I can increase the speed without yeah. pain so so what that is it's just so it's just clicking over yeah um, just because it's not tracking as it should yeah and um already feel more straight and I also starting to feel my glutes firing yeah. so having gone through all that training um, with an imbalance what are you trying to do now to rebuild and oh it's undo it um, just but to be honest triathlon in general any endurance based sport you, it's all about undoing the work you're doing yeah um, so it's repetitive by nature so you know when you're swimming you're swimming what Oh, 15, 20k a week yeah. sort of thing. So you got to unwind that. Now that's a lot of like, especially if that's all freestyle. If you're not yeah. mixing up with any backstroke, that's a lot of forward movement, which just creates a dominance. Um, I see upper trap dominance. Mm-hmm. Pick minor is overdeveloped, um, and then you just end up not using your scapular stabilizers. Mm-hmm. This is where I see uh, shoulder impingement is such a key issue for so many swimmers, and they're just not doing anything to undo it. And it's a natural thing. There's uh, the research currently stands top of my head, but the more distance you increase, the more chance of injury. Hence why I took such a minimalistic approach to that as well because mm-hmm. you're actually more injury prone the more training you do in swimming because of the repetitive nature. Um, so yeah, I'm continually in here um, undoing all that stuff. Um, so with swimming, running's exactly the same, cycling's exactly the same. Uh, the interesting thing with cycling and running is, um, as you alluded to, hip flexors. Yeah. Um, we sit all day, so we sit all day for about eight hours. Um, then we jump in our bikes yeah. into another shortened state of our hip flexors, um, again with the hamstrings as well being shortened, um, and then we're going for a run. And then you, if you look at a triathlete to a marathon runner, completely different. Yeah. Um, so um, we're, triathletes are a lot, you know, tighter, shorter strides. You know, it's not as the Ironman shuffle. Um, 
because when we can't open up as much, and yeah. that's just due to those restrictions because nobody's really addressing those issues. Mm. Um, and it's even more so for me with my flexibility disorders. I really need to be on top of that stuff, make sure I'm addressing that nice. on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you say about swimming and constantness. I think that's part of why I got that impingement. Is um, I was only ever breathing on my right hand side. I've got yeah. an overdevelopment of this oblique muscle. Yeah. Um, I was a breaststroker, and I hated backstrokes. So <laughs> <laughs> my towards the end of my swimming. I don't know if you call it career, but um, time swimming competitively, I got into IM, so I was forced to do a bit, good, more, back, good. bit more backstroke. But um, yes, stupidly 400 IM and, and 200 butterfly for some reason. That's but, the most brutal yeah. thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, there was none of that. We I think one winter training, we had to go up Pilates, but <clears throat> I don't know, we didn't really know what we were doing. And it was all about just core recruitment. It was, yeah. wasn't any, anything undoing and opening up shoulders or anything like that. But Yes. But that's also very important. Like, people don't understand the importance of body position and like body awareness. So, people are swimming; they're not engaged in the pelvic floor. Um, so they're swimming along very loosely, and they're not getting the full performance out of their swimming because they're everything's just not firing as it should. So, like, that's again the other way I look at it. It's not just so much the undoing, but it's the from an efficiency standpoint. Mm. Um, if you're not utilizing your body to its full potential, you're just wasting energy um, when you could really be gaining those extra yeah. extra time you know like and it's just it's free free speed as some of my clients like to call it yeah and it, it's interesting you mentioned that pelvic floor stuff towards the end of my swimming the breaststroke straight was definitely getting more of a wave to it yeah and it was you know you were starting to use those lower core muscles cool. to get that extra like that free speed going and um yeah, yeah it's I'd, I'd say if you went back to uh, swimming training probably the workload is it Young person be less. You'd be spending more time, and you know you go to a pool and you see, see swimming squads out for a run and doing heaps of land based stuff now and yeah. cables and all. Oh, all I, sorts I of deal stuff. with quite a few swimmers. Um, yeah. So swimmers in here, and then I've also been to quite a few of like the camps as well to help them in that that basis as well. Um, because yeah, but again, from that context, it's crazy to see the lack of mobility that these kids have. I'm mm-hmm. um, not necessarily just from the swimming, but just from lack of mobility in general. So like human body should be able to get into a deep squat. Yep. It should be able to comfortably hold that for about 10 minutes, at least. Mm. Um, it should be just natural. However, with all the sitting that we do today and the sedentary lifestyles that we lead, I've been, I've been in those swimming camps and seen kids that are 10, 12 years old that can't even do it. They can't even get down into a deep mm. squat, let alone hold it for 10 minutes. It's, it's scary. Mm. Um, so <laughs> there's Things need to be changed and people need to... like. That change that you're saying is happening, um, yeah, needs to be there because um, it's getting quite scary. Yeah, I know Nick Girl's got a thing for kids to do, and that's try to eat their foot. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this is pretty, a good one. pretty cool. And tongue in cheek, I put up that photo of me with Billy um, from two weekends ago in a squat position. And it's only been, well, post-surgery because I was so restricted, but yeah. something that I've done between patients, if I've got got five minutes, I yeah. make sure I get yeah, off. I've seen you on your Instagram doing it. Get off my chair and try sit as low as I can and get, get a few odd looks from staff. Yeah. But, um, but th- those are the things I'm trying to change. It's those, those small changes that you can implement to your lifestyle. Yeah, they look a bit weird at first, but when you understand the context of why you're doing it, like you do, yeah, um, it's just so powerful. And like I deal with a lot of corporates as well. And th- those are the things I'm implementing. It's exactly what you're doing. It's you know, just taking a, a minute or two just to do a little bit of movement just to undo the sitting posture, just like the swimming, is the sitting posture. Like being desk bound is, uh, I think now known as the um, 
third leading cause of death in the world. Um, so it was scary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just due to sitting down too much. How scary is that? Like, and I like like your desk. Uh, <laughs> I was constantly harping on it. The, the partners that we needed to get more movable desks so that we could stand yeah. up. But um, hopefully, I can wrangle it with with the new place. If you know, if not down the track, will be. You know, I'll quote that third 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 highest cause of death. Yeah. So pr- probably the next one up is probably sleep. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it might be actually. Yeah, no, nice. Um, so the Iron Man, yeah. uh, you lost your heart, or was it your heart rate or your speed? Um, well, my speed, yeah. So my my Garmin that was on front of yeah. my bike, yeah. Yeah, and so how far in was that, and, and what do you think <laughs> that meant for you? Oh, it didn't really mean anything. Oh, it kind of did, I guess. Um, so I lost about 130 k's in. Yeah, I think it stopped working at 110 for some reason. I don't know why it stopped working. Um, it just wasn't picking up my speed anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I wasn't doing distance. I was still saying speed, but it wasn't accurate. Mm. Um, at least I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it was just slowly throughout the bike. Because I, I did something you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Um, you're not supposed to change anything on race day, yeah, in particular right. Ironman. Um, but I got my hands on a uh, new bottle cage, which goes in the front of the bike. So, I was so, like, so you can just slip on. When you're in uh, well, it's just easy to access yeah, um, okay. from the thing. Um, some people have straws, but I didn't have a straw, so it's just yeah, it's just easy access. Um, but the connection um, slowly rattled. It was like rattling the whole time, and then I think by I was, I was hoping it would hold on, mm. and then it just continually got looser and looser. And then I think it was at yeah the one thirty mark, um, it just really started to rattle, and I was like got to the point where I just like ripped it off just before it came off yeah. um, and just chucked on my tri-suit yeah. and then, yeah, lost my data because of that. But actually, I'd already lost it prior to that when it stopped working, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you also said that you didn't get your, was it food or something? Yeah, yeah. so it's quite interesting. Like um, my idea behind it was, like I mentioned earlier, was to prove my model. Um, but it was also to prove that... Uh, Okay, that's yeah, that's um, <laughs> it's scary. That screen's just gone black. <laughs> um, that being a fat adapted athlete um, that uh, fuels a lot of whole foods. Yeah. So I didn't want to have any uh, chemically based food. Like I wanted to have everything that was like a whole food that I could get my hands on. So I was yeah. um, on Tom and Luke's Bliss Balls. Um, and I loved your little track that you build on your yeah, bike yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little box um, so yeah just full of um, bliss balls all you can imagine yeah. Um, so yeah I was trying to prove that that you could do it well with mm-hmm. the, those foods but for full transparency I kind of screwed up um, I didn't take the time to calculate how much I had and I needed and that was a I don't know why I didn't mm. um, it was ignorance on my behalf um, and what I kind of roughly thought in my head when I put it in was completely wrong. Um, I miscalculated quite significantly because I looked at the the bliss balls and it was um, I thought one bliss ball was yeah. one serving size. Right. Turns out it's uh, one uh, one serving size is three point two or three point three bliss balls. And there's three in a packet. What's that? And there's three in the in the packet, or did you get a big packet? Oh, I get a big. I go. Yeah. I go through heaps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I was like, okay, okay, this is that's not good. Yeah. Um, so you're so, a third. <laughs> so yeah, I was getting under a third. So I had ten bliss balls when I should have really had um, th- over well, thirty-three bliss balls. Yeah. Um, not good. Uh, <laughs> so 
I was going really well. I hit my swim perfect. I did 55 minutes for my swim. Yeah. Um, and then my bike, I was 5.25. Those are, those are my target times because my goal was to go sub 10 hours, um, which I kind of never thought was possible um, mm. until a month out from Ironman. I started calculating. I was like, I actually might have better made this happen. The goal was always sub 11. Mm. Um, but I realized in that last month that sub 10 was possible. So all I had to do, I say this casually, but all I had to do was like a 3.30 uh, marathon, mm-hmm. um, which I knew I could do. Um, through my training um, and I know it's again it's different on race day um, and you should not really be focusing on what training is because training is going to be different to racing um, but I knew in my head that I could do it and when I get my mindset and something I know I can do it but I came out of, of the bike um, straight into the run feeling amazing I was just feeling good and then all of a sudden like about three four k's in it just hit me and I was just like this ain't right yeah something's not right and I couldn't put my finger on it, and I was just like, just keep going. I was just like, came to the point where I realized I wasn't going to hit the 10-hour mark. So I was like, okay, you know, I have a choice now. I can either dwell on this and just kind of be all negative about it, or I can just embrace yeah. this moment. Yeah. Like, you know, how often do you get to do Ironman? This could be my last time. Um, so I'm just going to really soak it up in a such a cool environment, the most positive environment you can imagine. So I just made sure I just embraced the moment. I high-fived any little kid that put the hand out, you know. <laughs> Um, and just did it with a massive smile on my face and just in Russia I was just like I'm just going to cruise it now just kind of get around I was chatting to all my mates on course you know they were always um, uh, teasing me with beers um, that was cruel <laughs> and yeah so I, I and then I managed to finish it um, and 10 hours 50 in the end um, so quite a while after what I wanted but I, I went for the enjoyment point at the end of the day on that one because um, I just decided you know, I'm still I still achieved my previous goal which was sub eleven hours, yeah. but you know I didn't get that ten which would have been icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, from that it's kind of it took me about a week until I was talking to one of my clients, uh, Megan Arthur. Uh, she's also did the Ironman that day. She won her age group. Um, oh, she did really nice. well. Uh, she's a she's a weapon, mm-hmm. Megan. Um, and actually, she's also a high-fat athlete. She was doing a very similar protocol to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was feeling off whole foods as well um, and exogenous ketones. Mm. Um, and we were just talking about it, and she said, I miscalculated my fuel. And then it made me think, maybe I did. And then I started think, talking to her about it, and she said about the bliss balls. I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so we both made the same mistake. Yeah. Um, and this is not her first time. This is like, a, I think that was her 13th Ironman. Yeah. Um, so and it didn't make me feel too bad, you know. Like everyone makes mistakes, and it's just those simple things. But you know, um, but yeah, through that conversation, and then post Ironman, I started to really get the itch that I could have done better. Mm-hmm. And then I started to look at, you know, what would I have to do to go to Kona? Because mm-hmm. um, you know that I didn't realize how close I could actually get to that until um, the weeks leading up to Ironman, and then. That week after, I mean, like, kind of in my as I was reviewing it, yeah. I obviously my time that that time around wasn't it, but I know that I could actually do mm-hmm. pretty well if I really put my mind to it. So it was previously just going to be the one Ironman. Um, I just proved my model done, write it off. You know, yeah. there's a buck with this thing. Um, yeah. But so much room for improvement. Uh, I've seen so many ways I can tweak things and biohack it to really get that extra. Um, performance enhancement so I want to go back and give it a proper stab and see if I can qualify for Kona 
Awesome. So would that mean uh, more than one Ironman in a year? Or will you go do something like Challenge Wanaka as well? Or? So Challenge Wanaka is now half. They've, oh. They removed the full. Um, yes. Well, that could be a good leader. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it probably will be a good leader. Yeah. I probably will consider it. Um, it is quite close, though. So it is that kind of it's that risk. Yeah, it depends how you bounce back and depends on how you structure your run up to it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I haven't decided if I'm going to do next year. My plan is just to do halves this year. Well, I've got Gold Coast coming at the end of the year and then halves um, and then do it properly in 2020. Um, and just give me that time just because I want to focus my business for a change. Um, yeah. I'm going to grow that as much as I can um, and then you yeah, give it a good stab in 2020. But, hey, your training's going well, feeling good. I may take a step. We'll see. Nice. So you, you might have somebody at the Gold Coast to tempt you with beers. Um, we'll have to look in dates and come up and watch, I think. Um, <laughs> was one of those people tempting you with beers, uh, Tim Doyle? Or, or was he, uh, he, was, he was riding along on a bike. Oh, um, nice. Actually, no, I think he had a beer in his hand at one point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I think he was one of the tempting guys. Yeah. yeah. Not, not that you compared it, but how did your time compare to Tim's? <laughs> I beat him. Oh, Tim, <laughs> we have to get back into it. Too, buddy. Well, that was the thing. Like, as I was racing, I was like, are you getting tempted? Because <laughs> obviously, like I was saying, I was talking heaps of shit as I was running around, uh, just talking to anyone that wanted to listen. Um, and yeah, Tim was was one of those people I was having a good yarn to. And, um, yeah, I was like, hey, I could see he was, he was getting enticed. You know, he, he's, he's, the triathlon's leading up. He, he was getting more and more interested in coming back. So I think there will be a return from the the Doyle at some point um, so yeah, I look forward to it and uh, be cool. at the challenge be awesome to uh, get that big frame running along efficiently with those massive strides it's, uh, <laughs> nice um, so last night you spoke at Seed Waikato yep sure 120 was. people of similar age group um, you've done Pichacucha before how, how, how was it talking to people that are of similar age about something that you often find confronting and many young people sort of put it on the back burner in terms of their health and well-being what was that like yeah um it was it was awesome just to be in such a positive environment um and of like-minded people you know mm. there's nothing more powerful than being surrounded by those people that lift you up mm. um so it was i was i loved the, having the opportunity to really talk to them and empower them or hopefully empower them i hope mm. um with my journey um and just give them a bit of education around um you know actionable tips because um, there's no point in just you know telling you stuff and then you know not giving you anything actionable to do because that's mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in making think, making sure you're taking actionable steps to change like um, and keeping it as simple as possible um, and hopefully I helped list that in them um, give them a few key tips that they can start considering and start going down the way of making those changes um, yeah I really enjoyed it and um, loving public speaking but I'm getting more and more opportunities at the moment to do it um, and yeah, so that's something I'm really enjoying. Awesome, and you followed Dr. Steve? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what was it like um, having your speech talked out and then being able to say, so I did all that? <laughs> <laughs> and, that and that was exactly it. Um, so pretty much uh, I listened to Dr. Steve Joe, and I was just like, tick, 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 that's all of mine. <laughs> um, and it was, it was really good to see. So instead of, you know, conflicting messages, we had the same message. Um, and I actually got to show up from a personal perspective, my own personal journey of going through those exact changes that he discussed. Um, so hopefully that, um, 
impacted people more because they realized that it wasn't just Steve or just me saying this, you know, there is more than just one person um, preaching this. Um, it is actually a positive change that more and more people need to start looking down the route of. Mm. Um, and hopefully we did that, so. Yeah, nice, and it was also awesome that it was on the same week that um, Pete Evans might have been somewhat vindicated that he's not crazy with low carb, and, and it was cool seeing Dr. Karen Zinn talk yeah. about it and say, mention Verda Health, and you know, type two diabetes is reversible, and then another low carb nutritionist in Auckland that wasn't Cliff Harvey, just saying, hey, I, I, I do low carb, and it works, and- Who was that? I can't, uh, Michelle somebody, I think. Not Mickey? Mickey, no, it wasn't Mickey Walden either. Yeah. Yes, because she did a good one on ketosis the other day. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's becoming more mainstream, and yeah, I think we're lucky that we live in New Zealand and we've got those people. I'm a little bit nervous about going to Australia and speaking about low carb, seeing what's happened to a number of people over there, but she'll be right. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not aware of that. Uh, to, uh, Gary Fickey is one of them, and um, can't remember what the nutritionist was, but. If you go back and watch Grant Schofield's first episode, he, he mentioned the name. So on your yeah, on, on so I think there's about episode. I've, I've listened to it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's in there speaking about that. Yeah, um, but no, we'll be right. There's there's, <laughs> there's lots more evidence now. Change is happening. Yeah, change is happening. And, yeah, and um, yeah, if the biggest one of the biggest people on Australian TV gets indicated for those thoughts and. Maybe uh, general population would be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, slowly but surely. Yeah. That's all we can hope. You yeah, know? absolutely. So um, we're in a magnificent facility. You've got weights, but there's so many other little things around here like mats and so many uh, foam rollers and stuff. What, what do you think about personal release of, of joints and yeah. body parts? <laughs> so self-myofascial release is kind of the term for it. Um, it's essential. Like it's important. You know, our body's just like a good massage. Um, I'm trying to make, so the issue was like, I, I, when I was studying, my plan was to become like a physio and osteo mm -hmm. cause I wanted to help people. And that was the only way I could see doing it at that point. Um, but through my studies, I started to identify, hang on a second, I can fix people, teach people how to fix themselves. Yeah. Cause my big focus is I don't want to, um, have, I don't want them to have to come and see me to get fixed. I mm -hmm. want to give them the skills, empower them with the tools to be able to fix themselves. So my big focus is how can I, um, educate them to make the change and so not just um, this is how you foam roll but this is why we foam roll mm -hmm. um, so when this occurs um, this is what you need to do uh, if this occurs you need to think about it like this um, so not just from the foam rolling but that applies to everything I do um, I want to give people the education so they can make the changes themselves instead of having to rely on a specialist like myself mm. um, because if I really want to make a big impact I can't I only have so many hours in the day you know um, so I, I, and I don't think people actually have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars continuously seeing people to get fixed every time and just, you know, lie on a table and get a few clicks. Why not empower them to make um, the change themselves so then in the long run they're more empowered to why they're making the change um, and it's just a lot more long-lasting. Mm. And, you know, it's just a quick tr uh, shift because usually through the education we're identifying lifestyle factors which is causing it and they only understand that because they understand um, what is happening in the body. Um, so I think it's really important to give them the full picture about what is going on um, mm. and addressing it like that. So yeah, all these tools, um, uh, many methods for using them. Um, again, uh, I don't believe that everyone requires to do hours and hours a day. I try to look at, okay, 
from efficiency standpoint again, what is your key exercises? So I usually give clients uh, a few key exercises which I think have been most pivotal in their change. Um, so the first few sessions is kind of identifying. Um, like first we go through the pre-screen, which is quite in-depth. We um, identify everything from health history into um, goal setting into adrenal stress, gut health stress, uh, where the stress factors are coming from, uh, leading into um, posture, uh, sleep, and um, movement. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're trying to identify everything as much as possible so we get the full picture about what is going on. Um, and then when they come into the first few sessions, it's just taking them through things and seeing how their body's adapting and how it's responding and where are the key imbalances that need correcting. Um, and then we kind of select a few key exercises that are going to be most impactful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of the keystone um, uh, exercises. So maybe three exercises, maybe four exercises, no longer than five minutes a day um, that they just need to try and do religiously, and that's going to make a big impact. Um, so short-term, big impact, um, and then add them a few extra exercises if they have that little bit extra time. These are the ones you can do. You know, Maybe do the, try to do these two, three times a week. Um, and I think that's where I'm seeing a lot of success in my clients because it's simple enough to do. It's not hard to implement like as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to be all done at once. You know, It can be just when you've got two minutes at your desk, you know, you need a quick break. Um, you've been working for you know, 45 minutes, you just need a quick breather, mm-hmm. drop down to a squat, you know, um, something simple like that. Awesome. Um, so, of course, people will be able to watch yours and Dr. Steve's talk on the CYKETO page. Um, on YouTube and also I think you'll be able to find the link through their website as well as blogs and I've got one up there. Um, Weird if people find Talent House. Um, yeah, so um, Facebook and Instagram, um, I release videos every Monday and Thursday. Um, so that Monday's mobility, Thursday's strength. Um, so the hang of that is Tailored Health NZ mm-hmm. um, and then also website, uh, www www.tailoredhealth.co.nz uh, I've also just created an athlete page as well cool. um, which is www.luketaylor.co.nz Awesome and um, on Facebook you've also collected a, a group again with like-minded people Yep. Um, what's that about and what, what, what could people expect yeah. from that page? So I've just recently created a community because I find with um, talking to people that consume a lot of content like myself like I listen to a book or sometimes two books a week um, and a whole host of um, podcasts including yourself um, <laughs> of course and um, I wanted to have it as a space in which we can kind of share what we've found thought provoking or um, what's going to what's made you think a lot different because I'm all about thinking different mm-hmm. um, I find too many people try and fit in this box um, I think we need to be opening our mind to more um, perspectives and just seeing how we can make a big change um, because there's, with technology today, there's so much happening um, and I'm, I'm looking to harness that as much as possible um, to empower more people. So the idea of this community, um, it was just because I was talking to so many people about content, I was like, how about instead of just sharing the same things to um, different people individually, have a community where everyone can talk and share these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's it called? Uh, Level Up. I Level think. Up. Yep. We'll, we'll link it, of course. <laughs> um, nice. So I guess um, probably what what's to leave people with would be what have you learned from World Champs to the Triathlon Man? Oh, the Ironman. 
Yeah, so there was a lot of learnings. Um, I'd say... Um, uh, uh, so yeah biggest thing I think the most pivotal thing for me is be present Um, so be mindful of um, what uh, just being mindful Um, so detaching self from the past detaching self from the future and becoming present in the moment Um, I find there's too many people in this technology technological driven world um, that are just continuously stimulated by um, my mobile phones, perfect example yeah. um, of my phone just getting called, um, or, you know, you know, Facebook notifications, and we don't detach ourselves from that. You know, it's at, at our hip, you know, when we go to sleep, it's right beside us. Um, it's the first thing we do when we wake up. Um, we need to remove ourselves from that and become present in the moment because to truly make an impact, you can't detach us, uh, you, you can't make an impact if you're focusing on the past or the future. You can only make an impact when you're truly present in the moment. Um, so I'd say that'd be the most pivotal thing, and then from there, um, surround yourself with those that lift you up. Um, so that's one of the ideas behind the community, um, along with my Facebook page. Like I want to create um, an awesome tailored community where we um, get thought-provoking questions, and you know, get everybody talking and communicating, and um, not afraid um, to you know say something that's different. Mm. Um, and just put it out there and, you know, let's get everybody talking. Um, yeah, I'd say that'll be the main one. Oh, and then think different Yeah, be the other one um, because too many people try and fit that norm. Um, and traditional medicine, uh, the norm is not helping the majority of the population. It's too preventative. Yeah. I mean, it's too, um, sorry, reactive. Yeah. Um, we need to be more preventative. Um, and I think that's where the real need is for healthcare is looking at it from how we can prevent it instead of having to react. Um, yeah. And because you know, all the diseases we're dealing with today are driven from inflammation, um, as you're well aware. Um, so why aren't we looking at how to reduce inflammation? Like you talk to, like there are good GPs out there, don't get me wrong, um, there's phenomenal GPs out there. But traditionally, um, when I have... Uh, dealt with people that have kind of been told that, you know, um, the diabetes or, um, autoimmune, yeah, just yeah. autoimmune disease, any of the inflammatory diseases, you know, like, uh, they're just like, here's the drugs, you know, I'm just like, there's, there's so many better, um, options. Like let's first address what the cause is. So what is the cause, you know, like, is it mold? Is it, um, like where's the stress yeah, coming from? Parasites, yeah, is sugar. it parasite? Is it sugar? Is gluten. it gluten? You know, yeah. Um, addressing all those kind of keystone things, like the, the base level, like, um, and you're not only going to just fix um, what is happening now, what's um, been created, but you're going to fix their whole life. They're going to get a whole new lease on life, more energy, um, and just going to feel so much better. You know, there's nothing. It needs to be preventative, not reactive. Yeah, um, yeah. and it obviously opens up their life and quality of life, which. That's why we're uh, good mates, man. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Um, obviously, we'll be staying in touch from Australia and uh, look forward to seeing you on the Gold Coast running, mm-hmm. a, half, running a half hour, man. It'll be, it'll be good. Oh, no, not half over there. That's Olympic distance. Olympic, oh, so yeah. I'm just checking other yeah. dis- distance in the mix. You even know? better, even better. It's, uh, <laughs> Shorter. Uh, we can, we can uh, get to talking quicker. <laughs> awesome, mate. Cheers. Awesome podcast there from Luke. So cool to have a friend that's making an impact and like you said, if you're present in the moment, you too can be making an impact. Also, I really 
love what he says about surrounding yourself with people that lift you up and obviously for me Luke's one of those people that lifts me up um, we have a little bit of an Instagram group and him and a number of other triathletes out there are always out there doing it and uh, keep me honest keep me wanting to get out there and make sure that I'm putting my best foot forward make sure you do get in touch with Luke head along to his handles um, there's plenty of great content on there and if you're in the Waikato, be sure to go into Tailored Fitness. It's a hell of a facility. And as you've just heard, Luke is uh, no slouch in terms of what he can offer you in terms of a lifestyle which is just going to bloom and blossom and become the best version of yourself. So make sure you check him out. Of course, as mentioned at the start of the podcast, we're brought to you by Waikito, W-A-I-K-E-T-O on Facebook. That's where we've got our own little community, own little uh, area of I don't know, we share all the podcasts there, we uh, share lots of research from the likes of Dom D'Agostino, Cliff Harvey, uh, Mickey Walden, who's one of Cliff Harvey's offsiders, Grant Schofield, Karen Zinn, we share stuff from Keegan Smith, who is nearly being overtaken for the most listened podcast by Sean Baker, it must be tight now, um, and also we start, share stuff from Ben Warren, who we had on a couple of episodes ago. And of course, my favourite, Dr. Libby, who one day hopefully will get on this podcast as well. Um, otherwise, you can go and check out Exogenous Ketones at waiket0.proveitnow.com and get your hands on Exogenous Ketones or the reboot when it comes out at the start of next month. Thanks so much for listening. Hugely appreciate it. Thanks so much for all the feedback I had after last week. Um, doing it on my own, it was really cool to hear from so many people that enjoyed it. And I hope this is another episode that you enjoyed heaps. If you are enjoying these, be sure to give us um, a rating on iTunes. It means that plenty more people get to hear it. Be, be sure to share it with friends. Let them know that uh, little old me from New Zealand's doing a podcast and getting great people on board. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll catch you next time on The Stag Rule.